Amen? All right. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. Enjoy this beautiful, wonderful day of 80-something degrees. Amen? All right. How many got to witness the eclipse this week? You got to see it. You didn't look at it with your blinded eyes and get blinded or anything like that. How many was goofy enough to look up at it? I did. <laughs> Real quick, though. Real quick. But I did still see spots when I turned. I mean, it was a quick thing, just like this. And my eyes was like, uh-oh, probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but anyway, but they're fine. Uh, but that was sort of a neat, sort of a neat thing. All right. We have several people that's out tonight. Uh, I won't tell you why. Some of it's humorous. Uh, but uh, some of it is sick, but uh, just remember these in prayer. James chapter 5, turn with me to James chapter 5. But this, is, this is our uh, probably, uh, let's see, our next to the last, we'll have one more, we'll have one more, uh, one more class on, on the book of James and we'll move on. And so I hope you've been enjoying it I, like I've been enjoying it. I've, I've just been enjoying talking about it and looking, looking at this book here, give some practical things as we've said each week that the Lord shows us here through the writings of James, and it talks to us uh, that, that he was talking to the church of, of his day, Brother Glenn, but really it applies to who we are today and, and what we're involved in and all those kind of things today. Um, uh, tonight is, is going to be no different. So look with me in James chapter 5, look at verse number 7. Let's, let's go ahead and read James chapter 5, verse number 7. Therefore, be patient. Everybody say patient. Brethren, until the coming of the Lord... See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he re it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. <laughs> My brethren, take the, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. I stopped there long enough. I, had, I was going to say, but I thought, well, I just ought not bring any political stuff up. But I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm just about to get sick and tired of all the grumbling in our political system. Somebody needs to stand up and read this chapter to all of those, all of those folks up there. Do not grumble against one another, you know, uh, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Uh, my brother, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Lest you fall into the judgment. Uh, James chapter, chapter 5 here, this, this middle part of, of James, really talks about the uh, imminent return of Christ. Now, you've heard message after message talking about the return of Christ. We all believe that. I hope we do anyway, that those of you that's sitting here and those maybe by listening online, I hope we all believe that the coming of the Lord is, is at hand. Now, let me ask you a question. I don't know how long some of you have been a Christian, but some of you have been a Christian a long time. But how long, I, I would just sort of like to hear some numbers. How, how long have you heard that the Lord is coming? Somebody give me some answers. How, how long, Sister Parker? Give me, give me just a, a, year. a year. No, for how many years? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, you don't want to tell how old you are, right? <laughs> for 68 years, she's been hearing the coming of the Lord. 75 years. Anybody else? 71, 70, okay, 62 years, 
66 years, all right. So we've got, we've got some folks that for a long time we've been hearing about the coming of the Lord. But, Brother Charles, it hasn't happened yet, has it? I've been hearing my whole life as Sister Parker, 55 years, the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, you say, well, Pastor, if, if you're saying that, then apparently we, we, or we could be patient like this, like this chapter is talking about. We can have patience because it's been 55 years and 67 years and 75 years and all these things. So apparently we can really sort of sit back and sort of idle a little bit. Not really. Because you've got to understand that a day with us is so much different than a day with the Lord. You remember that scripture, right? It's, it's totally different. Time with the Lord is, is totally different than it is with you and I. That's why we can say that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And I do, do believe that it is at hand. Matter of fact, you can go to the scriptures. You can see some of the things that the prophets of old have prophesied, the things that would take place, the things that is coming about before the coming of the Lord. Now, unless I've missed something, I've not seen everything that, that is supposed to take place has already taken place in our, in our time right now, except for the coming of the Lord. Everything has taken place. And so when I say the coming of the Lord is at hand, or uh, the dictionary defines this imminent, this word here as a coming, or very likely to come soon, we can really say tonight in 2017 that the coming of the Lord is imminent. The coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is very soon. And so if you're sitting here tonight, let me just say this. If there's, if there's anything, we need to remind ourselves of this. The early church did this when they got together. They, they talked about these things. If there's anything in our life that does not belong in our life, then it would, it would help us to get, it, get rid of those things, right? Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. I talked to Brother Jerry, who was here Sunday, and we talked a little bit about, he, he expressed to me there are several people that he talked to over the last few months that talked about this thing about the coming of the Lord and how they feel like, Brother Adam, that, that he's not coming very soon, that they've got all the time in the world, that we've learned to justify things, and we've not consecrated our heart or our consecrated our life over to the Lord enough to prepare ourselves in order to get ready. How many knows that the scripture talks about this as well? If tonight you knew exactly the time and the hour and the minute that a thief would come into your house to rob you, you would be prepared. You'd either not be there, number one, or you'd, you'd arm yourself or you'd be prepared having police there or whatever. Something would happen that you would get ready for this thief to come. The Bible says, be careful because in an hour that you think not, in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. And so we must be ready. We must, we must be ready. James talks to us here about this, about this coming of the Lord. And really when he talks to us, he talks to us in the sense that it should motivate us to remain steadfast. Another word in the Bible that, the word that, 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 that is used for steadfastness is what? Patient. He used patience and steadfast. Matter of fact, James talks about three things here in this chapter. He tells us in verse 7, he says, number one, you've got to be patient. You need to be patient. Sometimes we get impatient because, Lord, I've heard it for 55 years and 67 years and 75 years, and you ain't come yet. I'm just going to go out and live like I want to live because apparently you ain't coming. Well, in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man comes. He talks about being patient. When you look at chapter 5, verse 8, the, the latter part of verse 8, it talks about establishing our heart. 
establishing our heart. And then in verse 9, when it talks about, this is sort of funny to me, it talks about being patient, talks about establishing our heart, but in verse 9, it tells us, don't you grumble. It sort of, it sort of doesn't go with the other two a little bit to me. We want you to be ready. We want you to be prepared. We want you to establish your hearts, but don't grumble. And we live in a day, and I know you know this already, but we live in a day where it seems like we love to grumble. Our president loves to grumble. Our politicians loves to grumble. Our senators loves to grumble. Everybody's got their idea about how they want to do things. We, we grumble about these things. But mixed in with these three commands here, that, that, that it's illustrations that there's the demonstrating that the Lord's return is imminent. And he talks to us about that. He talks to us in verse 7. He said it's sort of like a farmer that's waiting for the crop to come. He's already went out there and he's planted and all of those kind of things. And, and he's waiting for this, this crop to come. But I want us to focus on how knowledge that you and I understanding and the knowledge of what we know of the imminent return of Christ, that it should motivate us today to obey these three commands about being patient, about establishing your hearts, about not grumbling with one another. The farmer, he plants, yes, but he can't be impatient waiting on the seed to germinate and waiting on that seed to make a plant and waiting on that plant to, to have a fruit or, or, or whatever he's trying to grow. And, he's, and the Lord is using these as illustrations and examples to teach you and I something. And James is talking about here. Imminent return. The imminent return of Christ motivates us. It should motivate us, rather, to be, to be faithful in the trials of life. Now, how many enjoys trials of life? None of us enjoy trials of life. But when we're involved in those things, and we will be involved in those things, the Lord tells us to be patient in those things to remain faithful in the trials of life. Matter of fact, knowing that the Lord is coming, knowing that his coming is imminent, knowing that his coming is at hand, Sister Mavis, he, he tells me here, I've got to remain faithful. I've got to remain faithful. And James, really, when you, when you look at this, he's going all the way back to chapter 1, if you remember, verse 2, and he opens up this theme, I want you to be steadfastness. Matter of fact, he uses the word patience that we saw in the very opening of this book. He says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces patience or it produces a steadfastness. And it says, let a patience or steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. To be patient so you can be lacking in nothing. James 1 and 12 says this, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. There's been moments in my life, and I, and I guarantee you there's been moments in your life, Sister Brenda, where I felt like I could not stand this test of life. I couldn't stand the test of time, so to speak, or this trial that, that was in my way. There's been moments I said, Lord, you better take this thing because I can't handle it. Hello. But, 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 the, but the scripture says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under the trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. When you look in verse 25, the Bible says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Not just hearing the word, but doing the word as well. 
In other words, I'm acting on what I'm listening to. I'm acting on what I'm reading. I'm acting on understanding what the Word of God says. I'm not just, I'm not just listening to it, but I'm going to be a doer of the Word as well. James 2 and 1, though, says, By brother showed no partiality, as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory, the Lord, the, the, the Lord of glory. And so James really is going back to his original statement here in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And you look in James chapter 5, verse 11, he He says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, he said. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and how he is merciful. And so he tells us, be patient. Be patient. Being patient simply means long-suffering or long-tempered, so to speak. Having a long-tempered, a temperament to have a long fuse. I wanted to bring me a little stick of dynamite made up tonight with a, with a short fuse and a, and a long fuse as an illustration, but I forgot about it. I couldn't find no piece of dynamite, number one. But y'all know what I'm talking about when we talk about a short fuse and a long fuse, right? A short fuse and a long fuse. And James here is telling us, I want you to be patient, I want you to be long-tempered here. And he's encouraging these, these, these Christians of his day, these wavering Christians, these, these Christians who are having some issues, to think about not only just the first quarter of the game, but the entire game. Think about this entire game. Don't quit in the second quarter, in other words. Don't quit in the third quarter. Don't quit about halfway through. We've got a lot of folks today that's leaving the church, that's leaving leaving the Lord in in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the third quarter, spiritually I'm talking about. But the Lord and James here is talking about us. He said, look, you need to to, to envision yourself running a marathon for for Christ. You need to envision yourself becoming the steadfastness, being patient, let nothing rock you, in other words. And he uses this illustration as a farmer. And he talks about the early rain, how it, how it gives nutrients to the, to the seed. And he talks about the latter rain, how it, how it helps ripen the fruit and all of these kind of things. And we're sort of in that season right now. The early and the latter rains were vital for the growth of the plants and still is today. And Joel chapter 2 verse 23 said this, Be glad, O children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain for your vindication, and he has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. He's giving you the rain. And he gives us that illustration about the farmer planting his crop. And he plants that crop anticipating that hopefully that it will rain on that seed. He works faithfully through difficult circumstances, maybe through through tough ground that year, to hard ground that he plows up and and maybe conditions that's not so favorable and all these kind of things. And he works and, and 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 he does this through faith in the Lord that the Lord will send the rain, the, the, the early rain to, to, to help germinate that seed and to help grow that seed and the latter rain to help ripen that fruit and all of these kind of things. And then James talks about, about one who perseveres and when you persevere, you're rewarded. And he used that farmer that when the farmer perseveres, that he is rewarded by that bountiful crop and all of these things. And in verse number eight, the latter part of that, he tells us, I want you to also be patient. Be patient, be steadfast. In other words, he says, endure the hardships of the Lord. Now, we don't like to talk about that, but we all have hardships to endure the, t- the hardships of the Lord. In other words, he says, don't walk away from your faith to follow a wisdom that doesn't come from God. 
Don't walk away from your faith to follow a worldly wisdom. Don't walk away from from your faith just to rush into things. God will accomplish his work. It may not happen when I want it to happen, but it'll be done. It may not happen when you want it to be done, but God's work will be done if I remain faithful in him. If I'm aligning my life up to what what the scripture tells me to, then I can be faithful and I can persevere even through the tough times. If you want to look at it from a seasonal viewpoint, even through the winter times, even through those long, cold winter nights, so to speak, springtime is coming, growth time is coming, summertime is coming where where we can enjoy the sunshine again. Those moments will come, but we've got to remain faithful. The Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I'm going to set you over much. I'm going to show you these things. And so it says, enter into the joy of the Lord out of the book of Matthew. And so Christ's Christ's return should motivate us in order to to accomplish these things and and to be patient. The other thing that it should do, it should motivate us to strengthen our hearts, to strengthen our hearts to simply serve the Lord. Just because you think everything else is going bad all around you don't mean it is. Now, there's some tough things that's happening today. But it sort of lets me know that the coming of the Lord is at hand because these things are going to take place. These things are supposed to take place, matter of fact, before the coming of the Lord. And so we're on track, in other words. God's not confused by anything. These things are not surprising that's happening today. These things are not surprising to the Lord. And we look in in, in verse 8 here, we're following the second commandment. He says, I want you to strengthen your heart. Strengthen your heart. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. We don't need Christians with a weak heart, spiritually speaking today. We need Christians that's able to stand up and stand up firm and walk with the Lord. Amen. We need people, men and women of God, that's not afraid to proclaim Jesus today. A little bit, I thought a, bit, a little bit about this today. I had, I had a lady in our church to call me today. I was sitting in Walmart, and I was sitting out in those little benches waiting on a prescription. I had to go pick up a prescription for Abby and, and Mildred, and I was sitting there, and everybody's all around me, and I had this lady to call me. And she was telling me some of the things that was going on in her life. She said, Pastor, can you pray for me? I said, sure, I can pray. You know how we, we answer it. Yeah, sure, I can pray for her. She says, no, can you pray for me now? I said, yeah, I can pray for you now. Now, in a, just in a, in, a, in a just a real short second, my mind says, well, wait a minute, I'm in Walmart here. I better be careful praying out here in the middle of Walmart, sitting at this bench at the, at the pharmacy. Because you know how you mind things. I mean, it goes really quick. I'm thinking, why would somebody, I, they would think I'm weird praying that God would heal me sitting at a pharmacy. You know how, you know how we are. But I told her, I said, sure, we'll pray. And we just got to praying. And we talked about and talked about God touching her and God healing her body and God taking care of the situation, all those kind of things. Well, that's what I'm talking about when we say strengthening our heart. We got to have our heart strengthened that no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, we're not afraid to call upon the name of the Lord. Doesn't matter because the Lord is going to be praised somehow or another and we might as well praise him, right? Why, why do we need to strengthen our hearts? The coming of the Lord is near. There's a Greek word that's used here called parousia and it simply is, has the idea of this. It's that believers will give an account when the Lord returns. That's what that word means, parousia. It's believers, you and I, will give an account when the Lord comes. Let me ask you, how's your account today? What's in your checkbook, spiritually speaking? Where is your life today? 
What are, what are you dealing with? What, what things are you dealing with today? Are you trusting in the Lord? Are you depending on the Lord? Is your heart strengthened day by day? Is your heart strengthened each and every day? Um, and so we've got to be, we've got to be ready. We, we talk about this, this thing called the rapture of the church. But this parousia can refer to Christ's return also in judgment of the nations. And he will be doing that. In judgment of the nations. And so there's an intimate, imminence, how do you say that word again? Imminency. Thank you very much. It wouldn't come out of my tongue. There's an imminency concerning the coming of the Lord. His return is a sure fired thing. <laughs> He's coming, and we've got to be ready when he comes. Matthew 24, 42 says, therefore, stay awake. Now, he's not, Matthew's not telling us here to stay awake and never go to sleep. That's not what he's talking about here. But from a spiritual standpoint, you better stay awake. You better stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Stay awake, he says. Stay awake. Matter of fact, when you look in here, it talks about a thief in the night. When you look in the scripture, we talked about that just a few days ago. There's another scripture that talks about the night is far gone and the day is at hand in Romans. It, it reminds us that the Lord could return at any moment. And James, he's given us some practical things. It's sort of interesting to me that he uses this last chapter here, Sister Ruth, and he talks to us about, about uh, grumbling and about being patient and, and all these things about of how to act with one another and grumbling with one another and how to act with our brother and sister and all these kind of things, practical things that we can deal with in this latter part of chapter 5. In the, in, in the middle, he says, now look, he said, I didn't tell you all that. In a, now, this is just my words here. I didn't tell you all that stuff so you could just fall asleep and forget about it. You better stay awake. You need to stay awake. The Lord is coming, and the Lord is coming soon. Don't let my words that I'm giving you just, just roll off, you know, like, like water on a duck's back. You need to take these things to heed. Take these things to, to understanding because the Lord is coming soon. Revelations 3 and 11 says, I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Now listen to me, church. I, I know what I'm fixing to say is very simple. What I'm fixing to say, everybody has heard before, but we, we tend to forget it so often. The enemy will use whatever he can to rob you of your salvation. I had a guy to call me the other day. This is from another church in the state. He said, Pastor, let me tell you what's happening. And he said, can you give me some, some, some uh, uh, suggestion of what I need to do? And he gave me this story, this thing that was taking place in his church. And it wasn't a real major, major thing. It was just something that took place in one of the departments of the church. And they was having a little discussion. You know what those discussions are, right? Those disagreements within the church. We talked a little bit about it. And he says, okay, you think that's what I ought to do? And I said, I'm not saying that. I said, matter of fact, to me, that's nothing. And he, and he said, what are you talking about? It's nothing. It's causing me problems. I said, I understand what you're saying, but, there, but there's a bigger picture here. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, look at this. I said, the enemy will use that little thing right there to create a disunity of where you're, where you're, where you're at today. I said, you're in unity today. God is doing something in your ministry. God has taken you somewhere, and those little things right there crops up. And depending on how we handle them and use them, the enemy will use that to create friction. The enemy will use that to divide. 
It was simple. It was a very simple thing. And so often in our churches and so often in our lives, we get upset and we get, we get, we get uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but we just get by the way, so to speak, on things that we should not allow to bother us. Exactly. And we've got to be careful on those things because there is a bigger picture. Because all the enemy wants to do in your heart and in your life, he wants to divide and conquer whatever that, whatever that is. He wants to divide your relationship with, with the Lord. He wants to divide your relationship with brothers and sisters. Now, I'm not saying we can't disagree. That's not what I'm talking about. We can disagree, but we still can love one another. Somehow we've, we've got this thing messed up that if we disagree, well, then I don't like you no more. I don't know where we ever learned that at. I don't know when that came about, but that's, that's how we are. And it's sometimes it's worse in the church than it is out in the world. Why is that, Pastor? I expect it out there, but I don't expect it in here. Is that okay? I expect it out in the world because I expect them to act like heathens. But what I don't expect is for us to act like heathens. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. But the big picture is, if we're not careful, we'll allow these little things. Matter of fact, the scripture says it's the little foxes that spoils the vine. It's the little fox. You know those little bitty ones, those little, little baby teeth? Have you ever stuck your finger in, in, a, in a little baby's mouth that, was, that, that had teeth just coming in, how sharp those little teeth are? Man, they'll hurt you. Little foxes, they have them little teeth as well, and they gnaw on that vine. And they just gnaw on it. They just keep gnawing, gnawing. It's one thing to cut a vine down. At least you know what's happening then, but they just gnaw. Well, this is good right here if y'all just, if y'all just receive it. <laughs> they just keep gnawing, Sister Parker. Keep gnawing. Just keep gnawing. It's almost like, a, it's almost like a, a piece of steak you can't chew up. Just tough, and you just keep chewing and just keep chewing. You can't get it soft enough to swallow it. And finally, you just have to spit it out because it, it just, it's, it's just not any good. Well, the enemy, the enemy will come in to us sometimes, and, and he'll, he'll create that gnawing effect. And James here is trying to tell us, he said, look, of all the things I've told you, you, you better be ready. The Lord's coming. The Lord is coming. Revelations 22 and 7, behold, I come, I come soon. And he said, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Revelations 22 and says, he said unto me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Revelations 22 and 20 says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So, so then it's very, it's very significant to remember that the last words of the Bible is a reminder to you and I to live in the light of the Lord's return. The last words that he gives us live in the light of the, of the, of the Lord's return. And when you, when you look at the, the, the writers here, the biblical writers here, they believed and they wrote of the return of Christ. They believed the return of Christ. They weren't wrong. Christ could have, could have, could have returned in Peter's day. He could have returned in Paul's day if he wanted to, if that was, if that was the time. But just because they said that, it didn't mean that they were wrong, you know, with a, within a lifetime. Peter, James, Paul, John, all of these. But we know today that the events are even greater conformity, if you will, of, of things that's happened already in our lifetime that is coming, that's leading up to the coming of the Lord. There's a guy by the name of Kurt Richardson, and he said this. He said, those reading this text today are aware that some 2,000-plus years separate us from the original audience. 
He said the imminency of the Lord's return referred to the necessity of constant readiness and persevering faith based upon the knowledge that he may return at any time. In my opinion, I believe, Sister Carolyn, that may be one reason why the early church got together like they did. They encouraged one another daily. If one of them left the fold, so to speak, they were there to get them back in. We're good at that, but sometimes we're not so good at it in the church today. Sometimes we we don't go after that one that we need to go after. Sometimes we don't make that phone call that we need to make. Sometimes we don't reach out like we, and all of us are guilty of that. that. It doesn't mean that we do it with with the... not of our heart, so to speak. But we, 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 need to be, we, need to, we need to be more aware, I guess, of those that's sitting around us, those of, that maybe are not here anymore like they, like they need to be here, and reach out, reach out to those and do the best that we can. There's been people in my, in my, in my life that, and you, you've probably done the same thing, that there's been some of them I've pleaded with. I mean, I've just really pleaded with, you know, turn your life back around, give, give your heart back to God, and they wouldn't listen to me. That's heartbreaking. There's been others that has listened to me. There's been ones I've, I've talked to that with tears running down my face, Brother Larry, and, but, but yet they, they keep going their own way. And, and, and tragedy and all these things has taken place in their life, and in their home, in their family. I scroll Facebook just like you do. I scroll Facebook and I see people that I know and you know that used to attend this church. It's no longer together. It's no longer in church, it's no longer in the house of God. And James, and I mean, I'm talking about these are intelligent folks. These are not dummies that know the word of God. And, and there's times I get to pray it and I wonder, Lord, help me never to lose the sight of the fact that you're coming. Help me never lose sight of the fact that, that I can leave this family of God. I, I don't want to leave the family of God. Where am I going to go? Where would we go? But we've got to stay in the family. In the early church, they come together. They encourage one another. And I'm telling us tonight, as the body of Christ, we're family. And so when one hurts, we all hurt. Amen. When one suffers, we all suffer because we need to care for one another. And James here is trying to get us to understand, look, even though this was said some 2,000 plus years ago, his return is imminent. Matter of fact, there's several things about the, about the return of, of Christ that we know even today that we can look at. From, from, a, from a prophetic standpoint. The first thing is this. How many knows that we live in, a, and it's been this way for several years, the world is focused on Israel. That little bitty piece of land over there, around Syria and Egypt and all, everybody is focused on Israel. All the world leaders, all of these things. And even since 1948, hardly a day has gone by that somewhere, somewhere in, in, in one part of the nation or country, you could find a, a newspaper headline that talks about Israel. Everybody's focused on Israel. Why is that? Because Israel is the focus of God's prophetic plan. That's God's people. The other thing we can understand is the world is focused on the end of the world. There's a lot of people talking about the end of the world. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 22 talks about the whole creation is groaning on the inside. Creation is groaning. Well, Pastor, does that have anything to do with earthquakes? And I believe it does. Does that have anything to do with all these things, these, these phenomenal things that's taking place, eclipses? I don't, you know, I'm not, I, I can't, 
I can't speak scientifically on that, but I'm going to tell you something's up to it with it, in my opinion. It's just sort of strange to me. And natural disasters that we hear about, cycles of, of disasters that we, that we go through, terrorism seems to be on the increase. Seems the more we try to stomp it out, the bigger it gets. Seems like. We hear of asteroids. We hear of aliens. <laughs> we even hear of zombies. I mean, there's movies made about them. And, you know, you can go to zombie parties and <laughs> all these kind of things. So the world is, is focused on the end of the world. The other thing I've found out, and you, you know this too, that there's a growing apostasy in the church. Sort of growing a posse. The Bible says, First Timothy. Growing apostasy in the church. First Timothy four and one says, Now the Spirit says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Do you, do you see, you hear what that scripture said? The spirit says that in latter days, we're there. Some will depart the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So there's a growing apostasy within the church. There's also growing, growing weakness within the church. Growing weakness in the world. 2 Timothy 3 and 1 says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, uh, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And it says avoid those kind of people. Stay away. Stay away from those folks. So there's a growing weakness within the world, within the world today. We've heard for many years now concerning about the one world economy, right? The one world government. We've heard that over the last two or three presidents even. The one world economy. Revelations 13, 17. No one can buy or sell without the mark of the beast. We see on our Facebook, we see on our news where they're already implanting chips in, in, in hands and in, in people and all those kind of things. And I've got to be honest with you. And, and, and don't go out and say, oh, my Lord, the pastor here, he's, he's preaching apostasy up in the church. When you understand some of the reasonings of the chips is being placed in, they're pretty good reasons. Think about it. I mean, says Toby, it would help you a whole lot in your store with, with paperwork, all kinds of things. Just swap it. I mean, really, seriously. You got people that, that has Alzheimer's and, and walks out of their home. They use that chip, and they can find that person without them dying. I mean, it's pretty good reasons. Now, you, you understand, so you begin to understand how, how these things can slide in and nobody be aware of what's taking place. We used to think years ago, how, how in the world is this stuff going to take place? Now it's real easy for us to see how it's going to take place. And the enemy, the very cunning, but there's, but there's a one-world government, all these kind of things. Talks about a continual uh, 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 knowing where everybody is at, so to speak, on the planet. Surveillance of everybody. Now, I don't know about you. I like movies that is uh, that that's the sort of crime and drama and and beating one another up kind of thing and and uh, uh, sort of action packed sort of thing. 
There's this one movie that Will, Will Smith was in about, I don't even know the name of it. Somebody, I know some of y'all watched it, where they was tracking every movement. Enemy of the state. Thank you very much. I knew somebody had that name. That was a pretty cool movie. But everywhere he went, they knew where this guy was. They was able to track him. They was able to shut his bank account down. They was able just to shut him down altogether. Is that possible today? I think it is. Very possible. Matter of fact, Toby knows real, real well how, how that is. If you go on her testimony, just go ask her. She'll tell you it happened. Some of it happened to her. But they know things. Everybody, the government knows things. And I've often wondered about these smart TVs. How many has got a smart TV in your house? Have you ever been sitting there watching it and the thought ran across your mind, I wonder who's watching me? <laughs> I have. I don't have a smart TV. I got a dumb one, but it's still, I still wonder, are they watching me through that dumb TV? <laughs> you know, every time you pick up your cell phone, who's listening on the other end? Surveillance of all these things. One world government. All these kind of things. We hear of resurrections. We hear the, the end times and all of these things. Second Thessalonians 2 and 11 says, Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Matthew 24 and 33, so also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. He is near at the very gates. I know I'm talking to our Wednesday night crowd here, and I know I'm talking to the church, so to speak. I'll just tell you, we know what's coming. We know he's coming. We know the things at our hand. We've read about it. We've listened to it. We've, we've even preached about it, taught about it in our classes, all these kind of things. But the fact still remains, we got to be ready. we got to be ready. we got to be ready. Wouldn't it be a shame if we come to church, some listen to the coming of the Lord, Brother Allen, 75 years, 67 years, 55 years, whatever, and miss his return? Wouldn't that be a shame? Lord, help us. Help us to stay on track. Help us to stay on track. And then last, it ought to motivate us. His return ought to motivate us to a spiritual unity so that we can tell others about Christ. A spiritual unity. The judge is standing at the door. Genesis 4 and 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you, do not, if, you not, if you not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It's desires for you, but you must rule over it. Temptation happens to every one of us, but it's what we do with it. It's going to create the sin in our life. Don't allow the sin to rule you or the temptation to rule you. You rule it. Amen. I promise you, your shoe, your shoe never dictated to you how big your foot was growing. Your foot always dictated how big the shoe is going to be, right? Right. And so don't allow the sin or the temptation that the enemy brings in your life to dictate how, how, you, how you respond. You rule over that. You rule over that. Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And the question I leave with you tonight is, are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you remaining steadfast? Are you remaining patient? Are you remaining patient in this thing that we've learned? Are you remaining patient in this, in this uh, coming of the Lord that we've listened to all of our life? So don't give up hope. Don't give up hope on the end. Don't give up hope. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life.
There is going to be a great falling away. There is a great falling away, even happening now. Great falling away, but don't you be one of them. Don't you be one of them. You remain faithful. You remain steadfast for the coming of the Lord. What a wonderful time we'll have in closing when we get around the throne of God. Amen. What a wonderful time we'll have singing the songs of Zion, praising the Lord, worshiping with all the other saints of old. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had an opportunity to go to any kind of big uh, Christian event, once come to my mind is Winterfest, these youth events, and, and I'm talking about you know, thousands of people there that's, that's in unity, worshiping the Lord. I'm going to tell you, you're talking about a, you're talking about a feeling that it's, it's, it's an awesome kind of feeling generated in, the, in that place. That's what we know here, but can you imagine what it's going to be like of everybody around the world gathered around the throne, worshiping and, and glorifying and praising the Lord forevermore, forevermore. Amen? Amen. James says, be ready. Be patient. Don't grumble. (laughs) Love one another. Share with one another. And to be in unity with one another. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. What a joy it is to be in your house. What a joy it is to be with your people tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to just share a little bit from your word tonight. Help us to take these things to heart. God, help us to be steadfast in our relationship with you. God help us. I, I know the enemy is, is sly. I know the enemy is, is, uh, is cunning. But God, help us to beat him at his own game. Help us to be wise in the things that you've showed us, oh God. Help us to see the big picture. Don't let us get so focused on the, on the little thing that it robs us of the major thing that you want to you give us in our life. And that's heaven. That's a place that you've prepared for us. We'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Now bless all your people as they leave tonight. Give them safety on the way home. And I'll give you thanks in Christ's name until we meet again. Amen and amen.